Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. And thank you for listening, David. Yeah. How you doing? Getting back in the groove. Back in the groove. We literally have not recorded an episode in a month. Yeah, uh, I imagine the listener probably figured that out when it's just, we had week after week of uh, guests. Uh, <laughs> I was out of town for two weekends in a row, uh, and then David was out of town, and then I was out of town again, but uh, but back just in time to record. Well, you're like, I gotta get back in time. Abs- absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, as people who uh, follow the, the pretension Twitter know, I was in New York, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, I just went to a bunch of weddings, so it was very, very special. But anyway, so uh, so yeah, uh, hopefully we are not uh, too rusty this episode. Yeah. Because we've got a lot of important stuff to catch up on, a lot of important, important stuff to get to. Yeah, but uh, we're not going to be going to try not to be too announcement heavy like we've done in the past. <laughs> like we started off episodes just sort of like, let's get through this, then we can get to the episode. First off, don't speak for me, all right? You're like, <laughs> let's get through this. I enjoy making announcements. I feel like it makes us sound more official. Uh, okay. All right. But but we have a fun announcement this fun time. Fun announcement uh, right off the bat. So, uh, of course, you know that uh, for the month of May we had uh, the donation drive, and thank you, everybody, uh, who took part in that. Uh, it was very generous, and uh, it, it means a lot to us. Um, but, as you know, if you donated, you were entered into a raffle to win, uh, you know, uh, three great prizes. One yeah, of packages, three great prizes. Really. Packages, indeed. Yeah. We got the, the CD package, the DVD package. Uh, might be in the other order. DVD package, CD package, and then the uh, Battleship Retention grab bag. That's right. Package. And, um, yeah, and you always play that one down. But, David, I'm excited to tell you that last week we sold a T-shirt. <laughs> oh, Someone wow. actually bought one. And I'm excited. Uh-huh. So, thanks, Tyler's mom. <laughs> you know, I think it actually shows me who who uh, bought it, and oh. it, it wasn't anybody I knew. So I was very excited. That is exciting. Um, Wait, all right. Was it was it a lady? I don't think so. But I do like the idea of somebody of a of a lady walking around with a yellow "You'll Get Yours" Gambin <laughs> T-shirt. So, um, anyway, uh, all right. So let's get so to the announcements. Announce well, yeah. I mean the yeah the winners. The winners. Uh, we off. should say that these <laughs> packages won't be shipping out right away right. because one a certain stoner keeps forgetting to mail me a DVD, <laughs> and then you and I keep forgetting to go pick up some CDs. Or not That's forgetting true. so much as things keep coming up. Uh, somebody else uh, is forgetting to send me a CD. We right. all our guests are kind of flaky. <laughs> if you are one of our guests, I apologize. But you know what? Uh, balls in your court now. Not, stop being such a flake. Um, so here we go. Uh, we, uh, we numbered all of the entries and then put them in the, uh, the randomizer online. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and then picked them out, uh, in, uh, in a random order. So like even random order is an oxymoron. I guess it is. Okay. All right. So winning the, uh, as David calls it, the BP grab bag package, uh-huh. uh, as it happens is an old friend of mine. From Chicago, uh, John Fisher. But it really was. It had ran- nothing to the do randomizer, with randomizer. Right. We stand by the randomizer. Absolutely. It had nothing to do with. Uh, we didn't bribe the randomizer. No. No. The randomizer fulfilled its randomizer duties. It sure did. In a perfectly respectable fashion. With total integrity. 
So good on you, randomizer. Absolutely, absolutely. So congratulations, uh, John. Uh, now winning the the CD package, David. Yes. Which features uh, I'm, I'm excited. A bunch of stuff. It features uh, stand up CDs, some, some music from, CDs. Yeah, some stuff from AST Radio. That's right. Or not AST Radio, AST Records. Right. Um, and some stuff from the Paul Goble show. And uh, I recently found out the CD of Don't Stop or We'll Die. Oh, that makes it a great prize. Paul I'm Russ band. So that was the thing we were holding out on. Yeah. Weren't sure we were going to be able to get. That's yeah. awesome. So very exciting. Uh, so congratulations to Mr. Daniel Beagleman. Daniel. Good. Daniel. Dan. Congratulations. We'll get that out to you as soon as. Uh, we're, we're <laughs> from whence does Daniel Beagleman hail? Uh, Redmond, Washington. Oh, he could use some. Uh, some entertainment. I, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea where Edmund is. <laughs> well, it's a good thing we already have his money because you just insulted him. <laughs> All right, now winning the. Uh, <laughs> no matter what you said, I, I was going to say that. I know. <laughs> um, okay, and then winning our uh, the, the grand prize, you would say. I, I guess. I mean, I really think All of the DVD and CD package as being two twin grand prizes. They're both great. I like our uh, grab bag package, David. Why do you have to be such a jerk? All right. But I don't want but I mean, the CD package is really great. It is. It really is. And so the DVD package is also really great. Indeed. Okay. So so uh, the other grand prize, the DVD, DVD package, package, goes to our friend north of the border. All right. That's right. An international listener. Okay. I, well, I hope he donated healthily because we're going to have to pay more in shipping. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you know what? Maybe I'll put this into the randomizer again. <laughs> no. Um, no. No, congratulations uh, to uh, Patrick Dolan. Patrick Dolan. Yes. Uh, who lives Canadian up Canadian with an Irish name. Indeed. Hmm. There's a story there. Patrick, email us. <laughs> um, so, yeah, congratulations to everybody. We will get uh, those packages out to you uh, probably within the next uh, and, and week he, or two. Wh- where, he's where in Canada is he from? He's from uh, Ottawa? Yes. Oh. I think that's the capital. Am I right? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, look, it's I'm not. Hey, if you live in Canada, I have nothing against you, but I, I don't. You know, I mean, don't, I I kind of hate it when like people from other countries know American history. Yeah, because it's like you. No, you don't have to. Right. You I don't, don't have require to know that, that of you. No one ever ever taught offered a class in canadian history no not at all i even if i if i wanted to find out canadian history it would have been would have required a lot on my part <laughs> but they just like teach american history to to people in, in other countries and it makes me feel makes me feel bad makes me feel great <laughs> i have a theory as to why they do that but i won't say it here because uh probably just makes some people mad yeah don't do that <laughs> Um, but okay, yeah, well, so con- congratulations, congratulations Patrick and Daniel and John. Yes. So, all right. En- enjoy. Enjoy. You got some great you stuff. You got Yeah, the D- DVD package also has stand-up comedy. Yeah. It has, you know, regular movies. It has short films. Yeah. Documentaries. Yeah. It's great. A lecture. It's it has a, a lecture. A lecture. Yeah. So, you know, Patrick, if you want to be like a screenwriter or something... Got some good tips for you from a uh, uh, P- friend of the show, Pilar Alessandra. Pilar Alessandra, that's whom right. Whom I, I spent the day with today at the uh, Great American Pitch Fest. That's right. some on-the-page episodes. So for the next few weeks, it sounds like people can go over and listen to On the Page and hear you. Very occasionally. Oh, okay. I, I don't. I speak a little bit. You don't chime in very often? No, it's not in my place. Unless there's a really good joke to be made. Okay, all right. <laughs> Fair enough. 
Um, yeah, and then I was actually on a podcast uh, last week, uh, but the episode itself probably will not go up uh, for, like, uh, I think three weeks or a month. Uh, and it was uh, our, our old friend Colin Marshall, who is uh, very nice to us. Yeah. Uh, he does the Pod Thoughts blog um, over you at... You know what? Uh, Let's just not send Daniel the prize and send it to Colin instead. All right. All right. <laughs> Sorry, Dan. <laughs> enjoy enjoy Redman. Um, <laughs> we're kidding. Yeah, we're kidding, of You're course, yes. the prize, Dan. So, uh, no, we already rewarded uh, Colin with my presence on his, <laughs> uh, on his podcast, Barely Literate. Which is uh, which is a fun uh, book podcast uh, and uh, friend of the show Jason Eakin has been on it previously and uh, I enjoyed myself immensely on there and read uh, read a really interesting book. That sounds so fun. What'd you read? I read something called uh, something. I read a book called Something Happened. Oh, uh, Joseph Heller by Joseph Heller and it was uh, really wonderful. It was 560 pages of pure depression. It was very very <laughs> sad. And what's funny is. Uh, because it's all about you know this this guy who uh, you know he's uh, very unhappy with his life, but uh, still kind of trying to get through it by you know various acts of hedonism and such uh, things like that. Uh, but he's not happy with his wife, and he's got this job he doesn't like, and uh, so I just so like every time I would read it for a long period of time. Um, Jen could always tell because I'd always be like really down and I'll, or I'd be like really affectionate to her to be like, I'm not going to be like this fictional character. <laughs> and uh, she's like, you got to you got to read finish reading that book. because <laughs> uh, I can't deal with this anymore. So. Uh, so, yeah. So you can hear me on that sometime in the near future. We I will I will give an official announcement when yeah. it's when it's available. And, and listen, just because I don't talk much on the page, there's no reason for you to not listen to it. It's a great podcast. Absolutely. Pilar is a, a good friend. She puts out a good podcast. And uh, and she's been very supportive of us. Yes. So and she's gorgeous. She sure is. Yes. <laughs> yes. So anyway. Uh, <laughs> all right. Now we got uh, this is going to be one of those episodes where we don't get to the topic proper for a while because we've got a lot yeah. of news and stuff to catch up on. That's right. But don't worry. It's going to be mostly movie related. <laughs> I know some people complain that we uh, don't actually start to talk about movies until too far into the show. Indeed. But, oh, they uh, complain about so much more, David. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Oh, I found. Should I? Yeah. No. 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 I won't go into detail. I don't think you should. All right. I found a place that really hates us, everybody, and yeah. it was kind of exciting. It was a lot of fun. So, but I, I won't. Say, I won't say what they said. I'll leave that to you, listeners, to find <laughs> out. So. Um. Anyway, so uh, what should we start with? You had a, you had a gripe that you were vocalizing to me just before we recorded, I and I said I said save it for this podcast. <laughs> you sure did. You even had that really effeminate hand motion you just did. <laughs> um, and you know what? Here, here's what we'll do. I'll get to it in a minute. I, let me go grab my Entertainment Weekly. Okay. So I can quote from it directly. Okay. You know what? We'll do my thing first. Okay. Then, while go, you do that, go right I can ahead. Do I'll my right thing back. for a while. So you might have heard, listeners, uh, these these rumors that uh, the 20th Century Fox wants to make a Buffy movie sans Joss Whedon. That means without Joss Whedon, uh, the person who created Buffy, um, wrote the screenplay for the original film and saw it through uh, seven marvelous seasons, five on the WB, two on UPN. Um, Here's the deal. Here's what happens with these types of movies. People... Okay, X-Men The Last Stand comes out. People... For months beforehand, people were like, I can't believe that you know, letting Brett Radner do the X-Men movie. He's going to totally ruin it. And then you all, listen nerds, you all went and saw it anyway. So all the people that you were griping about 
don't give a fuck because you went and saw it anyway. They got your money. They don't care if you like it. They got your money. Mm. So here's the deal. I want to start like an online, like a like a petition or, or just a movement. Seriously, nerds. <laughs> I'm including myself here. Perhaps I don't mean throw the, fellow nerds in there. Yeah, uh, fellow nerds, I should say. If this movie comes out, this Buffy movie, without Joss Whedon, just don't see it. Don't see it. I know that how hard it is for people like us, obsessive people like us, completists like us, to avoid that kind of thing. We want, no matter how bad we think a movie's going to be, we want to see it to verify that it's as bad as we think it's going to be. And then we defeat the purpose because they're not going to stop making these kind of bad movies until we... Th- until the nerd community has some actual sway. Because that that's the reason we never have. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, the, you know, there are all these articles around the time of Comic-Con will come out about, you know, what a powerful demographic this is. But we're not. Because they know when they greenlight a movie whether we're going to see it or not. Mm-hmm. They, they don't care whether they're going to like it or not. Yeah. That's why they always win. That's why they can get away with making shitty movies and making a fucking Buffy movie without Joss Whedon. So seriously... Fellow nerds, if it comes out, just don't go. If the movie stinks, just don't go. That's from the critic. <laughs> yes, I, with I our know. with our good friend Maurice Lamarche. <laughs> Maurice Lamarche, whose name is spelled L A M A R C. It sure is. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, so I was uh, in the other room uh, getting well, my I, do you copy have of Entertainment to say Weekly. About, about How are they going to do that? Well, first off, is it going to have Sarah Michelle B- uh, Geller? I, I don't know. I, I haven't heard very much. Because it seems it. to me like you need two things to make uh, it would be like a movie of the show, right? I, I guess it would have to be at this point. Yeah, because they already can't have be, the movie. Yeah, it can't be a sequel to the Christy Swanson one, right? <laughs> um, I like the idea of Luke Perry just sitting around getting a phone call, being like, "Hey, how'd you like to <laughs> reprise this character?" And he's like, "Um, yeah, all right, why not?" <laughs> uh, and so it just doesn't make any sense to me because if it is going to be that's very strange because like why are they because they're trying to appeal to the show's fan base but if they eliminate Sarah Michelle Gellar which it doesn't I mean it you don't know if they will no or I not, have no idea but just there's rumors that Joss Whedon won't be involved and he is that show well Joss Whedon is definitely not involved he's je- definitely not involved I mean if they make it they have not talked to him at all he's currently uh, in production on Cabin in the Woods he was asked about what do you think of this? Because no one had ever, from the studio, had ever even approached him, apparently. Oh, wow. And he was just like, I hope it's good. That was his, uh, the only reaction he gave to being asked about it. That's awful. Yeah, it's his, it's what made him. Well, and I mean, it's what made him, but also it's just like, you know, listeners of the podcast have, have heard David and I, like, bash the studio mentality before. This is like a prime example of why it deserves to be bashed. Mm -hmm. Because all they see, the only thing they see is that, hey, this show had an audience and it has and it's got new life on DVD. Um, So let's uh, tap into that. Well, hey, uh, hey, Bill, what about uh, everything the show that made the show good and popular? Uh, You mean the audience? No, no, no. Hang on. No, (laughs) there's more to it than that. There's the makers of the show. Uh, I think I just want to focus on the audience. I mean, really, they just wanted to see the name, right? Like, that's all? It just... But the thing is, if that's the conversation they had, they're right. Because this is my big complaint, uh, more so than the fact they're making the movie. My complaint is that our community will never have 
the, any sway until it learns to just not go to the movies it doesn't it thinks are going to be bad. You know, and that's the thing is I I myself am guilty of this. I mean, I saw X Men three. Mm-hmm. I saw Spider Man three. Spider Man three. I saw Pirates of the Caribbean two Pir- and three. Pirates. Of, no, I didn't see two. Oh, okay. Uh, but I did see three. Um, and I did see. Watch, David. Watch this. I saw Transformers. In the theater? In the theater. Oh. I didn't care for it. I've still never seen it. Uh, nor should you. Although, it, it had... This will lead I've us said, into our next topic, actually. actually. I know. I'm very excited. <laughs> um, but the... Uh, actually, I did like Transformers right up until the robots showed up. And I'm not... A, I don't even say that sarcastically. I liked Shia LaBeouf's whole story. I liked Kevin Dunn as his dad. And then, uh, then all these robots show up. I was like, oh... Oh, right. I forgot. Well, what did you think of the female lead, Megan Fox? I'm sorry. What was that? What did you think of Megan Fox, the female lead in in the Transformer movies? Megan. Sh- she's very famous. Megan Fox. I'm d- she's Meg- on the cover of Life and Style Weekly. Oh, and ne- son, of, son of a bitch, here she is on the cover of Entertainment <laughs> Weekly. It's uh, Megan. Okay, yeah. Okay, it says here, Megan Fox. This is a person. Yeah. Megan here's, Fox is a person. Here's a person who apparently warrants this. <laughs> um, says Megan Fox with a very lucky robot. Okay, because she's attractive, and the robot I- the the robot is very lucky. Even though clearly this picture was anyway, it's two pictures put together. Uh, and then here's a quote from her that says, in which she says, "I have a mouth, and I'm not afraid to use it." I'm sure she that's, meant that wrong. That's what that's what she said. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> is what, she, what said. she said. Um, I wasn't trying to make a joke. That's what she said. I. You know, part of me thinks, like, maybe she knows that she just made, like, a big innuendo. Yeah. I could see it going either way, though. I don't know. I can't see it going either way because I don't know one thing about her. No, uh, nor should you. When I come away from Transformers, she is she's attractive. Uh, you know, no question about it. Granted, like, the pictures in Entertainment Weekly of her, like, she looks, like, way too done up and... Uh, you know, photoshopped and all that sort of right. thing. That's what uh, my wife's job as a uh, photographer has led me to uh, know all about the literal miracles of Photoshop. It's really amazing. <laughs> and but just like if you look at this article with her, like first off, she just sounds like she's. You know what? She sounds like somebody who got famous way before she should have been and didn't really earn it. You know, I mean, like they even ask her, like, uh, let's see. Entertainment Weekly says, do you think you're a good actress? She says, I think I could be. If I really buckle down, I think one day I could be a very good actress. But so far, I haven't done anything yet. Well, she uh, said, I, I kind of like her now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I appreciate that, I appreciate that kind of candor. Um, you know, but just like, in general, I mean, yeah, I guess I don't really have anything against her specifically. Just Yeah, I want to make that clear because she's probably a listener. Um, no, yeah, of course, yes. Uh, th- yeah, I, my complaint is not with her at all. I'm sure she's very nice. Although she does have a tattoo of Marilyn Monroe okay. on her uh, on her arm there. That's, and, uh, that's okay with me. Eh, I don't, don't know. I feel like Marilyn Monroe is idolized for wrong reasons. Okay, well, you've never said anything about my tattoo of Montgomery Clift. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? He was really good in Judgment at Nuremberg. Yeah, right he's really good in... Uh, what's the one I'm thinking of? <laughs> Never mind, I'll come back to it. Place in the sun? No, this is what happens when we don't record for a month. I just <laughs> lose my... It's a it's a famous movie. From oh, Here okay. to Eternity. For, oh, that's the one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great movie, too, by I the way. I never saw it. I saw it at the Music Box in Chicago. Hmm. It's so good. 
Um, but anyway, so to get back to Meg, I'm just it really like this is a long time ago, David. You and I talked about um, movie stars. I don't even. I I really don't even know if the episode is is still available. I think it is. But uh, and talked about the idea of like Hollywood just deciding to create a star. Mm-hmm. Like the person hasn't necessarily earned it. They just like they're really attractive or they have a certain degree of charisma. And then all of a sudden we're just told that they can star in something or that yeah. they can be on the cover of various magazine. And uh, and it fascinates me because she is she's attractive. Yeah. But like people are, yeah. are touting her as you said, as you told me, people are kind of touting her as like the next Angelina that's Jolie. That's what the life and style that I saw at the at the pavilions grocery store today said uh, yesterday said uh, it said that she's the next Angelina Jolie. And it had then it had a, like a split screen of Megan Fox on the left, mm-hmm. Angelina Jolie on the right, and uh, I don't see it. I mean, nothing against Megan Fox, but she's not Angelina Jolie. But at the same time, like er, fairly early on in Angelina Jolie's career, she was winning awards. Like she, whether they were deserved or not, like she was, it was synonymous. Like, oh, she's very attractive and she's very talented. Like people associated both with her. Yeah, you know, and she wanted to be. Yeah, talented. she never. Angelina Jolie has never been content just being pretty. Yeah, uh, and that's what's what's good about her, um, uh, along with all her charity work and stuff. Indeed. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting when you're talking about. Uh, it is like they just pick somebody. Like mm-hmm. Megan Fox is the new because it's it's like objectively, Megan Fox is no more or less attractive than Jessica Biel, mm-hmm. right? But Jessica Biel has never really gotten this kind of. You know what I mean? Right. Like, why like why Megan like, Fox? Like, somebody is, like, doing their job really well, or, like, it almost feels like there's, not seriously, but almost like there's bribes going out, or, like, favors being called in. It's like, all right, you guys really need to push this girl, mm-hmm. you know? Like, it's like it's not just Transformers on the cover. It's her. I mean, it's, and I just, I don't understand, I don't understand why. I mean, I don't, I literally did not, I remembered that there was a female lead, uh-huh. In Transformers, I didn't remember anything about her. She wasn't memorable. I don't even really remember her as being too attractive in any kind of distinct way. And yeah, that's I don't know. I mean, it's I almost feel like I fe- I feel like that about Kate Beckinsale, who I think can be uh, whose talent is limited, but it's there. Uh-huh. Um, but I remember a lot of people like, oh, she's she's absolutely beautiful. And it's like, well, I mean, you know, she is, yes, but I can't. Not in any way that I think like, oh wow, I like she sticks out in my mind. Even right now, I can't remember what Kate Beckinsale looks like, um, and I uh, just I can. I saw Underworld. Yeah, but that's not what she really looks like. I mean, she's all made up and stuff. I saw you'd remember that image with anybody. I saw Van Helsing. Oh, I saw yeah. Serendipity. Yeesh. <laughs> Why are you seeing these movies? That was, there's the like 2003 to 2000, 2002 to 2004 when I worked at. I mean, I worked at video stores longer than that, but that specific time at the video store, you rented everything. I just watched everything. I won't tell the torque story again. Again, but that to me is the quintessential story of you watching everything. Yeah, but I ended up kind of liking torque. <laughs> I mean, it's dumb, but it's a lot of fun. Van yeah. Helsing, on the other hand, no fun. Mind numbing. It's the only time I've ever used that word. Really bad. Um, but um, yeah. So, so that's that's what I have to say about Megan Fox. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it just that's the thing is I I don't I mean I guess I'm like it kind of bugs me that this is happening with somebody who cle- seems to think she herself doesn't deserve this, you know, and 
I don't know. I just I, I'd like to know what the mechanism is behind this. You know. Uh, yeah. So yeah, and I have a friend uh, who has a, a a movie blog, and uh, he wrote a blog all about how how beautiful she is, and it's like, I guess she really just inspires people to talk about her, and I don't know, I don't get it. Yeah, I don't get it, David. Jessica Biel might not have been the best example because she is pretty well regarded in terms of beauty. But no, uh, uh, no comment. I just. She's popped in my mind because I actually uh, saw her Friday at the Nico Case concert. Ah, yes. Didn't you see somebody else there? Yes, I did. Who'd you say? Uh, greatest celebrity sighting ever for me personally. Okay. Uh, Paula Malcolmson, who played Trixie on Deadwood and who played Colleen on Lost and is on Caprica. Now, David, was this just a sighting? <laughs> no, I, I, I actually got to got to talk to her, and I did not make a fool of myself, which, you know, I... I've gotten pretty good at the celebrity sighting thing, and like you yeah. know, I, I worked, I worked as a PA. I worked at the ArcLight, where I had to talk to celebrities fairly often. You know, yeah. been pretty good at not losing my shit. Yeah, almost lost my shit when I saw Paula Paul Malcolmson. Oh yeah, but uh, yeah, that was a great celebrity sighting. <laughs> what did she have to say best. for herself? Anything interesting? Uh, <laughs> she's, uh, she's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> she's she says fuck about as much as Trixie does. I'm just I'm quote re phrasing things that i already said on twitter so that's why i feel oh, bad okay. about talking about this but uh because i feel like everyone's already heard this but what she had to say this. about uh, this is what made me laugh about caprica <laughs> yeah she said you should watch because i told her how much i like deadwood and lost and she was like uh, uh you should watch caprica i'm i'm the mother of the cylons the motherfucker of the cylons <laughs> i don't even know if it makes sense but she just much like Trixie, she it wanted sure to find is. a reason to get the word fuck in there. Yeah, it sounds to me like she just had to do a different accent for <laughs> Trixie. But uh, I was but very uh, excited when you told yeah, me that. Yeah, no, greatest celebrity setting ever. Wow. And you've seen... Uh, Malkovich. You've seen Malkovich, and you've talked to Malkovich, but you've also yeah. seen uh, the aforementioned Angelina Jolie. Yes. And but these are all work-related, so I never really think of them as celebrity settings. Fair enough, fair enough. Just co-workers, really. <laughs> really, yeah. So, they're just co-workers. Know, pretty, uh, pretty mundane. Uh, David, do we have anything else to get to before we get to the topic? Um, we should we should mention David Carradine. Uh, I haven't really been following much of the story because it seems pretty seedy. Yeah, there's like a, there's a tawdry kind of element to it that makes it. You know, I mean, everyone's talking about that with his death, which I mean, understandable, but you know. Uh, it has overshadowed the fact that we lost, uh, you know, a a very good actor who whose talent I think was not realized very often. No, um, well, I mean he. I mean I I'm too young to get why kung fu was <laughs> was popular, but I mean uh, I think it really d- it didn't do him any favors because right. it's so weird that he was playing that role. Yeah, and it's sort of an iconic role, you know. Yeah, but um. And I, that's uh, really I didn't think much of him until uh, he's the best part of the Kill Bill movies. Oh yeah, hands down the best part. Uh, and then I saw Bound for Glory, which is oh, yeah. Hal Ashby's film about Woody Guthrie, where he plays Woody Guthrie, and he's great. Mm-hmm. He's great in it. the The movie has problems, a little too episodic, but uh, he's he's great. And uh, yeah, I think you're right. That's exactly right. He was more talented than most of us probably gave him credit for. I think. Because I mean, when I 
you know, I, I also worked at uh, video stores, and he showed up in a lot of, like, straight-to-video stuff. And I, I like, all the, uh, it's like, this could actually lead into our topic, but, like, all the uh, goodwill uh, and the, like, the renewal of interest in him that came with the Kill Bill movies just seemed to go, you know, yeah, kind of squandered. Um, but, yeah, he was, and I, I saw him in uh, Death Race 2000, the original, mm-hmm. and, uh, and in that, he showed that he could have a very that he had a good sense of humor, mm-hmm. and that because that character character's name is Frankenstein, um, mm-hmm. and he's he has to say all his lines like very tongue in cheek, like he doesn't play it too serious. He plays it just serious enough that he's not necessarily winking at us or distancing himself from the material, mm-hmm. from the admittedly ridiculous material. Um, and the same goes with uh, with Kill Bill. I mean, he's given kind of. Some goofy things to say, as almost all Quentin Tarantino characters are, mm-hmm. but he knew the level of seriousness to give it, and uh, and he really, I mean, he's uh, he's why I like Kill Bill Volume Two more than Volume One because his character he's really because he's well, he's in it, you know, <laughs> right? His voice is in it in in the first one, right? But uh, also the just the tone of the film, but he really anchors that movie. Like Bill needs to be. Not not even necessarily a larger than life character, but you think he's going to be, and then he turns out to be just this guy, who really seems like a nice a nice older guy. But uh-huh. then you see like these, you know, you see this cruelty that he is able to inflict, and it's really it's it's a three dimensional character, which the one thing that 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 did surprise me about the Kill Bill movies is how Tarantino managed to flesh out characters that could have seemed. Uh, yeah, like caricature, and Bill is, uh, well, the bride, but like Bill, I'd say is the most notable uh, uh, example of that because he's only he's only got the one movie to in right. which to shine, um, and he really does. I mean, he holds his own with. I mean, you don't even really see him. You don't really see, even see him fight. Yeah, you know, you only see, he's just sitting there and talking, but you know he's a threat. And it's just he brings a lot of history to that character, and uh, I remember early on there was talk that Warren Beatty was going to play the character, uh-huh. and that would have. And it's one of those things now that I've seen David Carradine in that role, I can't imagine anybody else playing that. I mean, yeah. it's, he's he's just so perfect, because if you'd had like a like a a movie star who brings a, you need someone that brings something to something of their own lives and their own careers mm-hmm. to the role. Um, but not celebrity, you know. You need someone with mystique, and I think David Carradine had mystique. Um, yeah, I think that's. I think he had it in spades. Yes. Yeah. So that was his. Uh, yeah. And I think this could actually lead into. Well, let's get into topic. it, shall we? Yeah. So uh, finally, thirty-one. Is this the longest we've gone before getting to the topic? Yes. Thirty-one minutes. Yes. Um. So we'll, we can still talk about it for half an hour. Yeah. Um. This is uh, inspired by uh, a couple things. I've gotten. Email topic suggestions, one that said, how about good examples of casting? And then I think it was the same guy, uh, uh, Drew, uh, who said, uh, how about bad examples of casting? Yeah. And so it had been kicking around my brain for a while. And then it just sort of, <laughs> the other day I was watching the uh, casting featurette on the Clueless whatever edition uh, DVD. All right. And I was like, maybe it's about time we do this because this is uh, an, an interesting topic of how casting can help or hurt and also sort of who who's in charge of it. Yeah, I uh I wish that I I mean at this at this point having been in Los Angeles long enough like 
I know plenty of like aspiring and successful writers and actors, but I don't really know a lot of people in charge of casting. That almost seems yeah. mysterious. Uh, but it also seems me. like a fun job. I mean, it it's does. Basically, like someone who, from what I understand, again, I could <laughs> I could be just as as uh, as, as ignorant as you. Um, <laughs> basically, someone who has to have their finger on the pulse of who's out there and who's available and right. who's sort of up and coming or whatever, you know, and then has to have the imagination to read the script and see them in this role, right? You know, and I mean, and that, that's that's why. I mean, Clueless is kind of a good example of that. That's kind of what got me thinking about it because this is like Paul Rudd and Jeremy Sisto uh, and like Donald Faison mm-hmm. and uh, and and Alicia Silverstone and all these people that went on to much more uh, success. You know, not Alicia Silverstone. Well, sh- didn't she have a TV show recently? Yeah, but it d- didn't last very long. Oh, okay. Oh, and 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 Breckenmeyer, yeah. who um, had success for a while after Clueless, and hasn't been really been heard from that recently. Played John Arbuckle in Garf in the Garfield movies. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, I've always liked Breckenmeyer. He seems just he, he seems, seems likable. Really likable. I really like him in that movie Rat Race. Yeah, yeah. And he's uh he's in Josie and the Pussycats. Oh yeah. Along with uh, Donald Faison, who's in Clueless. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and they're both very funny in Can't Hardly Wait. Which is, oh yeah, uh, I think a brilliantly hilarious movie. It's, you know, it's interesting when you brought up casting. The first thing I thought of was just something that you. I mean, you and I have always. I feel like any movie or even TV nerd has done this, where they will take like a, a comic book character or, j- or something like that, like or a like novel for example, they're reading. Yeah, or it could be like, hey, if they were to make a movie of this TV show, who would you cast? Um, well, wouldn't you cast the people from the TV show? Not necessarily. Like, for example, if they made an A Team movie. Oh, right. Now. This old TV show. I see right, what you're right. Yeah. And so. Uh, I used to do that. <laughs> when I was really young, like maybe about 10, mm-hmm. I was really into Hardy Boys, and I was really <laughs> into Arnold Schwarzenegger. And so I would read every Hardy Boys novel thinking, what role would Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> play if this were a movie? <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> I thought you were exaggerating. That's uh, That's an interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I like to when I was a kid I liked to adapt my casting styles, you know, uh in for the project. You know. <laughs> no, I just wanted to get Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> into me. Um yeah, I uh and I remember the earliest example uh for myself of like casting things in my head. It's like, all right, X Men, here we go. Who would be who? You know. And uh, admittedly Arnold Schwarzenegger would be Colossus even though uh he's not Russian. Uh he sounds foreign. <laughs> and uh and but the only uh, the only actual overlap was uh, uh, Patrick Stewart because you know he was bald, right? Um, right. But uh, and for the record, you know, for years everybody has been talking about like, hey, if they made an eighteen movie, who would you who would you cast? And I remember, I was even now, I am so confident in who I would cast as ha- as Hannibal uh-huh. that like I'm dismissive of other people, like. They'd be, like, they'd be like, well, I think he should do it. I'm like, Tommy Lee Jones, shut up. <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. Tommy Lee Jones would be that character. So what's happening with the with the John Singleton A-Team movie? Is that still... I don't know. I don't even... I didn't. I stopped following it when I realized I didn't care. Um, and that it was really only... But, I mean, Ice Cube playing the Mr. T role is kind of kind of perfect. Is it? Yeah. I don't I don't see him as a, as a guy with a particularly bad attitude. 
Ice Cube? Not bad enough. He's he's the guy MWA. from... MWA. What? Oh, I'm not going to say what it stands for. <laughs> oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, um... No, I but he's also the guy from like, you know, the the all the kids movies. Like that's all he's been doing lately. Yeah, but he's still he was in Boys in the Hood, which That's true. Granted it's not a movie that I like at all, but he's I've never seen it. He's a mean guy. It's way too preachy. Mm. Menace to Society's good. I like Menace to Society. Yeah. I just got into a conversation about that with someone who didn't like it. Now I can't remember who it was. But mm. you should call if you remember, yell out their name. Okay. On the show. Okay. Um, okay, now. So, casting. Sorry. Um, well, that's what we're talking about here. Yeah, okay. That's true, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it turned into a discussion of Ice Cube. Um, but, uh, you know, I did like him in... Uh, he was in Deep Blue Sea, right? No, that was that was LL Cool J. Yeah, I didn't like him in that. I, Ice Cube was in Ghosts of Mars. Yeah. With Cleo Duvall. And Pam, Pam Greer. Greer. Get back to I'll get I'll get to her in a minute. Um, okay, but uh, oh, he was in Anaconda. Yeah, I didn't never saw it. Maybe that's why I thought he was in. Uh, he was in some <laughs> an- big animal eating <laughs> right. people movie. Um, You'll notice that I uh, passed on the example or on the uh, the opportunity to call you a racist. Oh no, that's fine. I I am sure <laughs> other people did, um, and I kind of just did. Yeah, yeah. No, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Um, so, I do want to bring up, for example, like probably one of the most inspired casters of, uh, you know, in, in recent movie history is Quentin Tarantino. Mm-hmm. Um, he has made, with the, with the exception of Grindhouse now, um, he's made some amazing, like some amazing choices. Choices that you would never think, you know. I mean, by the time Pulp Fiction came out... Uh, Travolta's career was basically over. Mm-hmm. Like, his serious acting career was pretty much done. And I don't know what he... I don't know how he landed on Travolta when I imagine there was any number of actors that would have been interested in that role. But Yeah. But I think it's just a guy... I mean, Quentin Tarantino probably grew up loving Welcome Back, Cotter. Right. You know? As we all did. No, but I'm saying, like... What, like, I'm trying to think what our... Uh, like, because I'm such a huge news radio fan, if I were casting a movie, I'd probably think of Maura Tierney before a lot of other people would think oh, of Maura yeah. Tierney because I love her yeah. from news radio. And I'm in love with her. Nothing wrong with that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that's that's what it is. It's just, that, b- given his frame of reference, yeah. it's the kind of person that he w- would have, uh, probably as a, young, uh, as a young man, probably thought it'd be cool to see him in a, you know, play a hitman or something. Or, I mean, it could just be because he is such a movie fan. It could have just been hi- him saying, like, you know who I want to work with? That John Travolta <laughs> guy. You know, um, and it's the same. I mean, he did it with uh, Reservoir Dogs. I mean, he took, speaking of Tierney's, he took Lawrence Tierney. Right. And, you know, a guy who hadn't been heard from in any kind of serious way mm-hmm. for, you know, decades. Yeah. And cast him quite effectively yeah. in, uh, in the role of Joe Cabot. Uh, and then he did it again with Jackie Brown in two instances where he uh, cast... Um, Pam Greer, yeah, who did who does wonders with that character. I think yeah. she's great. Um, and uh, Robert Forster, um, and and this is this is actually this will lead to uh, uh, another aspect of of 
casting aside from just who can play the part but as i was talking about with david carradine what they bring to the part just culturally right you know well pam well, yeah. greer was an was a popular beautiful actress who just wasn't really in anything mm-hmm. i believe the year before she was in a very forgettable role in mars attacks um do you remember her in it? No, I haven't seen it since I okay. saw it in the theater. And so, so like, he wanted, I, I, you know, you in a role like that, just a woman who's kind of past her prime, kind of sad, lonely, doesn't really have mm-hmm. much going for her. He wanted to cast, you know, it, it was right for him to cast an actress that people would be like, oh, yeah. You know, like, I forgot mm-hmm. about her. Because everybody's forgotten about the character of Jackie Brown. And... That's what makes her able to do the things in the movie that she does, because nobody ever thinks about her, yeah. you know, as as a as a suspect. I mean, they do a little bit, but in you know, it's like, well, we got Samuel Jackson over here as this evil kind of dumb guy, and Robert De Niro next to him, so they're clearly the suspects. Let's go with with them, you know. Like he cast much more popular uh, and much more uh, visible actors in these other roles. And then for these two central roles of Max, Cher- Max Cherry and Jackie Brown, he went with people who hadn't been really heard, seen or heard from for a long time. Yeah. And and it was a brilliant move. And on, yeah. I think. And I really, I mean, I knew who John Travolta was before right. Pulp Fiction. But even if I didn't, I don't think I'd be really grateful to Quentin Tarantino for exposing me to him, you know? Mm-hmm. But I'm glad that I discovered, like, Robert Forster and oh, yeah. Pam Greer when I did. I mean, I'm sad that Pam Greer's been wasting her time on the L Word for however many seasons mm. uh, and not, not being in more movies. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really, like, thankful to Quentin Tarantino that Robert Forster had that happen to him because he's, he's so great. Yeah, and someday, I think perhaps uh, February of uh, 2010, I do want to uh, do an episode about when the Oscars got it right, whether it be with giving the award to somebody or a nomination mm-hmm. because I think he he and Pam Greer he, he and Pam Greer certainly are the best part or to me the most engaging part of Jackie Brown and he really is amazing in that role a very mm-hmm. understated performance um and that's another thing is he took he he took actors that not only brought something themselves to the role you know as far as their career and their past but he knew he somehow knew they could do it. You know, I mean, as as uh, Paul Russ told us when he was uh, auditioning for Inglorious Bastards, there was real, n- real, really no auditioning as far as, like, reading for the role. It was more just sitting down and talking. Yeah. And I have to assume that's probably what he did with with a lot of his, with his earlier films. I know that Reservoir Dogs, he actually had people uh, audition because it was, it was, like, his first movie. Yeah. Um, but I have to imagine that after Pulp Fiction, he would just sit down and talk with people and then offer yeah. them the role. And well, so I mean, he, uh, uh, as I understand, wrote Jackie Brown for Pam Greer. Oh, okay. That, that was his intention. Which is, in, sp- in my view, inspired, considering that in the book, the character's yeah. name is Jackie Burke and she's white. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> that's, really, that's really inspired when you read that book and be like, so let's see, Pam Greer... That goes without saying, you know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, but uh, and then and then he just he carried it right through with Kill Bill and, you know, cast David Carradine and, you know, could have re-energized his career, uh, but 
didn't, unfortunately. Yeah. But um. But and how about? But Daryl Hannah. Yeah. You know he, she did great. I think in that movie. But how about how about Michael Keaton in Jackie Brown? Oh yeah. Because that's a guy that I feel like very few people know how to use him right. Yeah. I think Michael Keaton is brilliant. Oh yeah. But is squandered, like seventy five percent of the movies he's in. You know. Yeah. He's, uh, I mean. It, as much as I love Christopher Nolan's Batman movies, mm-hmm. Michael Keaton's my favorite Batman. Hmm. Yeah, I think, well, it's just, but the more, o- like, between him and Christian Bale, Christian Bale is the more obvious choice. Like, Michael Keaton does interest does interesting things with that character. Not to imply, of course, that Christian Bale doesn't play the character well. He does. And right. He, and he's, and through the writing, he is asked to do different things than Michael Keaton was. Yeah. But Keaton really made that character... Interesting, and yeah. I don't want to say one's better or worse. I'm just right. saying that I like Michael Keaton as Batman a lot. Yeah, B- a lot. But of also, like, did you ever see uh, Kenneth Branagh as Much Ado About Nothing? Oh yeah, Michael Keaton is brilliant in that. Oh yeah, and there's and a movie called Game Six. I don't know if you've seen it. <laughs> one of do the people, few movies that you and I disagree on. Do pe- yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Do people know? I don't think listeners actually know about our view of Game Six because we addressed it in the episode that we never released. Oh okay, yeah. Game six was my least favorite movie of 2006. And um, it was pretty near my top ten, I think. Yeah. I, I, I loved it. I did not like it. But it was not for uh, Michael Keaton. I'd say, you know, if if I could recommend the movie at all. And again, see, usually I recommend movies based on performances. Uh-huh. I, I, I don't think I can even do it for that movie because I, I, I hate it so much. But uh, <laughs> that's – and I kind of am alone in that, by the way. Um, but um, So we've talked about – I mean – We've really only talked about Tarantino right now, but in talking about him, we've talked about some of the different aspects of casting because it's not just who can play the part or even who's big right now. I mean, but there we'll, is we'll have to talk about the bad part of casting, which often is who's big right now. Right. And I'm fine with getting into that because uh, you were thinking about this. Like, can you think of any? Well, I'm sure you can think of, of several as, as we all can, but like. Who to you is like a just a really good example of like oh that was not the right actor or actress for that part? Jonathan Reese Myers is Henry the Eighth. Ah, that takes me back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, go okay. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Do you have any? That was the first one that came to mind. I had I had to think about it more. If you have some more. Well, I'm. I mean, I'd say, as I've said before, um, and again, I don't. I, I, I try. I'm really trying these days to. Um, not speak ill of of actors. I know I make fun of John Voight, but I and I don't want to say that I hate Will Patton or that I hate mm-hmm. John Voight, you know. Maybe John Voight. But uh <laughs> you know, but like because at this point I know a lot of actors and you know, they're just they're all just kind of doing what they can and even if even the ones that have gotten popular, I mean if you don't you know, if you're not careful, you could wind up taking a wrong a drastic wrong turn you wind up in a in straight to dvd stuff so yeah. like so i i try not to speak ill of of actors anymore even though it's fun to do um but keanu reeves speaking of much ado about nothing uh-huh. him him being ca- first off him cast in shakespeare at all <laughs> is just ridiculous i mean as i've said before like in some roles like i think he's good in speed he's of course good in bill and ted He's good in the Matrix. Just mm-hmm. you know, he doesn't have a very he doesn't have a very wide range. Uh and Shakespeare is out of his range. Mm-hmm. Uh 
and especially him playing like a bad guy in that, like a, a Shakespearean villain, like that is like the language alone is beyond him. But then to play a Shakespearean villain, uh-huh. no way, no way. Um, but then also, I mean, in an example, and I don't know if it's true or not, but to hear Coppola talk about it, you know, in retrospect, he purposely cast Keanu Reeves poorly in Bram Stoker's Dracula mm-hmm. so that people would be rooting, would be instinctively rooting more for Dracula. Yeah. Which uh, I still think that's revisionist and that he's just covering his ass. Yeah. Although, yeah, I, I mean... I've said... I've stated my opinions about Francis Ford Coppola as yeah. a human being. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, just... I mean, Keanu Reeves, like, almost any time... Like, when they when they released uh, The Day the Earth Stood Still, um, and I was like, oh, they're going to remake that, okay. And then just every single decision they made, mm-hmm. I remember just being like, ugh. And then when I saw that he was playing that character, I actually thought, that could be... That could work. Because, you know, it's it's a character from another world and thus does not need to show that much humanity. Right. So I think he could have done well. But then when I hear somebody tell me that he actually doesn't play it the way he should have played it, which was like normal. Like he plays everything Like else. normal. He actually tried to play the character as less than human, which ruined it, which made him seem like a, a corpse. And uh, but I haven't seen. But I, again, I haven't seen the movie. I, I shouldn't talk about movies I haven't seen. David, you know what I'm, I'm thinking that you reminded me of uh, <coughs> people getting casted because they're big. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember Robert Altman saying that he sort of felt pressure to put Lindsay Lohan in Prairie Home Companion. I believe it. But at the end of the day, I really like her in that movie. Oh yeah, I think it kind of reminded me why I liked her in Freaky Friday and Mean Girls in the yeah. first place. It's not that Lindsay Lohan's a, like a stellar actress. Yeah. But she's when she's meant to play a character that's full of life, mm-hmm. she can really d- she it really translates on 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 screen. Yeah. Uh so that was I guess maybe a happy accident that he had to cast an, uh, a name for the younger people and it turned out that she was right for the role. Yeah, it's uh I was actually having that discussion today, in fact. That about she, Lindsay Lohan? Yeah, and about and those movies specifically where she was... She's not the best singer, but uh, there's a lot of not great singers in uh, Prairie Home Companion. No, yeah, that's true. So, chief among them, I'd say Garrison Keillor. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so do you, do you... Like, I'm trying to think of... I'm really trying... Well, speaking of Coppola, Sophia Coppola in Godfather 3 <laughs> as much as I like her as a dri- as a director and I do quite yeah, a bit certainly um wow it's one of those things like you hear like you hear like it's like film lore exactly, at this point yeah. how atrociously bad she is and and it's kind of a weird thing because she sell I mean she she has con- conviction in the way she says the lines mm mm-hmm. mhm but like I the only thing I can compare it to several years ago, I made a little film called Speech and Debate. Maybe you've heard of it, David. Um <laughs> but uh there was a there's a, a character, uh, a a mother character, and I cast my own mother because it she's only in one scene. My mom had never acted before. Uh-huh. And that's the thing is she delivered the lines fairly naturally, but she w- she'd never acted before and she was an amateur. And you can just tell it's not even necessarily that the line delivery is awful uh-huh. it's just you can tell amateur acting you can see it in clerks right and left um 
and I and there's something I can't even really put my finger on what it is. I think it's just they're ill at ease. They don't seem to be able to sell the relation like that they're relating to another character. They really just seem to be like, all right, I need to hit this beat. I need to say this line like this, like we rehearsed it. It's like I gotta be careful what I'm doing with my hands. Like they're they're making sure they do a lot of little things that right. don't actually add up to a performance, and and man, Sofia Coppola, it, she's just very amateurish in the way she approaches that a central character. I can't. The reason I cast my mom in that part is because I knew like, look, it's only one scene. It's the beginning of the movie. By the time the movie's over, no one's gonna remember her. You know, uh-huh. and just no offense, mom, um, and just like if there if she had been in two scenes three i probably would have gone i probably would have actually found an actress uh-huh. sophia coppola is a central character in that in godfather three and i know that it was supposed to be winona Ryder, right yeah she's not a great actress either i think she's all right i i can't think of any examples of her i mean she's there are movies where she's right for the role like heathers oh yeah absolutely yeah, I'm not sure if she would have been right for that role either. Uh, she she's kind of flirty in 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 an appropriate way for yeah. that character, but she she would have been miles ahead of of Sofia yeah. Coppola. But yeah, because she's got more practice. Right, exactly. And it, it really, I mean, it just and if you actually listen to commentary on Godfather Three, Coppola is still in total denial. Like he's just <laughs> like. He, go, he goes, here's my daughter, Sophia, who, of course, you know, uh, I think does great with the role, and she's pretty easy on the eyes, too. I'm like, well, A, that's creepy. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's one thing. I mean, you can say your daughter is is a beautiful yeah. or that she's very pretty. That's yeah. a very sweet thing to say. There's certain connotations to easy yeah. on the eyes. Yeah. It's like saying, I like the way she's put together. <laughs> that, would be, that would be creepy. She's pretty doable. Am I right, guys? Am I right? <laughs> Um, yeah, and so that that to me is like uh, an example of it, I'd say the prime example of just terrible, awful casting and just a horrible misstep by a previously good director. Godfather Part Three is bad in a lot of ways, but that that was just that real that almost like I'd say it's a two and a half star movie. Her performance sinks it to like one and a half. Yeah. By the way, I don't know if uh, you probably know this about me. I don't know if the listeners do. Winona Ryder was like my obsession when I was younger. That's like right. I had cut out pictures of her and put her on my wall. I didn't know that. It was yeah. It was, I was crazy about Winona Ryder. So, so it pains me now. Okay. It's really. I, I think I was in denial up until Mr. Deeds, when that's when I realized that she actually couldn't act. Hmm. I thought she was good in Bram Stoker's Dracula. Nope. <laughs> no, she's not. No, she's not. <laughs> I haven't seen it in but a while, um, admittedly. Anyway, we should uh, we should start wrapping things up. We talked about well, we talked about finding young, new talent. Mm-hmm. We talked about uh, utilizing forgotten talent. Yeah, you know. Um, we talked about narcissism. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Nepotism. Nepotism is the word I'm looking for. Um, here's one thing I want to talk about real quick: is is uh, because I mean, you talked about directors being able to see something in an actor that's sort of been forgotten, mm-hmm. you know. But there's also something to be said for a director who can see, or a cast, whoever's doing the casting, who can see something in an actor who's maybe already famous and currently famous, but uh, can see them in a role that you wouldn't expect, mm-hmm. you know. And I think whatever you had to say about the movie Natural Born Killers, yeah, casting Woody Harrelson, stroke oh, yeah. of genius, because he was 
he was Woody from Cheers yeah. at that point, you know, pretty much. And and maybe White Man Can't Jump. Mm-hmm. Uh, and casting him as a violent psychopath, sociopath, I guess. I don't know. And uh, is is perfect. Isn't He's there a story when he first met Woody Harrelson and said, like, I see violence in I you. I see violence <laughs> in you. That's exactly what, what he said. <laughs> Which um, is, what a horrible thing to say to somebody, but, you know. <laughs> Uh, and then uh, this also reminds me of another movie that I actually was just watching a little bit of on the... I, t- I took Virgin America to New York, mm-hmm. and uh, you got the little TVs in the back of the seats in, yeah. in front of you. You can actually just watch TV. And uh, they were showing Training Day on BET. Yeah. And that's another example of... Uh, it had been a, a long time since Denzel Washington had played anyone... had played a villain, you know? Yeah. And he's played flawed characters, certainly. There are things not to like about his character in Philadelphia, you right. know, being a bigot and whatnot. But... um. I mean, he's a fucking villain in Training Day, and he's great. Well, and and that's yeah, that's a good example of of people just uh, of like the the director Antoine Fuqua, right? Yep. <coughs> he, I think he really wants us to be on Alonzo's side for a long period of time, because like, we are. I mean, we want to believe that Den- hey, it's Denzel Washington. He's a righteous man, you yeah. know, and just like. And we're on board with him, even, even when he's really starting to do bad things. Like, yeah, we want like we want him to be like a like a Jack Bauer, like a guy who does stuff that's bad, but yeah. you know that his end result is going to be good. That's kind of like when he makes even uh, even when he ma- makes Ethan Hawke smoke the weed. You know, we're still like, yeah. okay, he's got his own, he's got his methods, yeah. but he's he's still uh, looking out for the guy. Yeah, and then it turns out that he's, and you think like, okay, well he's. He's kind of gone over the line a little bit, and he comes back. He does what he needs to do to fight crime, uh-huh. and then you realize, like, no, he's a criminal. Like, yeah, he's. This is a truly like a. There's no question about it. this man is a villain. Like he's uh-huh. the bad guy of the piece, and just uh, and that's the and and that was the brilliance I'd say of casting Denzel Washington is it you instinctively as an audience member consider him to be a man of integrity. Yeah, and as I said, righteousness. I love that the first time you see him, he's wearing eyeglasses and reading the newspaper. Yeah, you know, he's not <laughs> not threatening at all. Yeah, and just and you're and you're right there with him, and you almost because you're there with him and you're cutting him more slack than you would have if it were a different actor. Mm-hmm. Um, because of that, like, I think it allows the viewer to see how he could have gotten where he where he is now, mm-hmm. and. Yeah, I, I that's a brilliant bit of casting, and it's a, it's it's against type, yes, but it's using the actor's image, yeah, to get us where you know. Yeah, it's not it's not stunt casting. No, no, it's not like it's not like putting Tom Hanks in the role. Like, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Although I wonder what kind of villain Tom Hanks would play. You know, the closest he's ever come is in Road to Perdition, I think. Yeah, but even in like, uh, I think of that thing you do. You know, he's not a villain, but he doesn't necessarily have the band's best interests in right. mind, you know. I think I think Tom Hanks could actually play that kind of villain. Not like a personally violent guy. Yeah. But he could play the, the sort of smiling, you know, uh corrupt guy. That's true. Like he like a like like almost a, a like a corporate villain of sorts, you know. Yeah. Who tells other people what to do. Yeah. And uh and you would never and doesn't really have much of a problem, but like a sociopath of sorts. Mm-hmm. Um, he has no problem with what he's doing. Um, 
and then of course I I think we mentioned this uh, you know uh, a long time ago that uh, in my view one of the best bits of casting ever because it includes everything that we've been talking about it you know it's it's uh, it's like casting John Travolta um, but e- even more so is casting Gloria Stewart uh, as Norma Desmond. Mm. Because yeah. I mean, it, because she is Norman Desmond. Yeah. I mean, as far as career goes, it's a, the same as Mickey Rourke and the Wrestler. Yeah, it's the s- same thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. And and just like, and it's it's brilliant because you feel like you're watching just this person, and then they're on top of that, they're giving this great performance. I mean, that to me is like just it encompasses everything that's. Everything that ca- that casting the right person, you know, like all the benefits of that, mm-hmm. because not only can she play the role, but you buy her immediately because of who she is. You know, um, it's similar with uh, uh, Mary Astor in uh, the Maltese Falcon. She was mm-hmm. uh, uh, an actress who started out as a silent actress and then uh, and then just had all kinds of controversy like she was kind of viewed as like a this kind of loose woman and all that sort of thing uh and she was kind of this this kind of a hollywood bad girl at the time and then you cast her as this femme uh, femme fatale and it's something that you know audiences now don't know about i mean they don't know about the 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 tabloids of the time uh but then it must have seemed like oh wow this is really it's a shame that people don't think about the tabloids of the past anymore those are they're just forgotten they should teach tabloid history in, in school to Canadians. <laughs> I was taking you seriously for a minute there. Do you really? <laughs> I think they should teach it. I think it'd be interesting. <laughs> like Hollywood okay. gossip in the, of the past. It and would be and interesting, but they shouldn't. It shouldn't be part of like the middle school curriculum. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean like they should have that course at Columbia. Columbia College, Chicago. Columbia College, Chicago. Chicago. Not yeah. Columbia University. Yeah. Which now, I just walked past the other day when I was in New York. New York, the Big Apple, the city that never sleeps. That's a, I, I referred to it as those two things to everyone the whole time I was there. Did you just call it the Apple? No. no. All right. I called it the Rotten Apple and then laughed at myself. <laughs> so I have two more instances of uh, casting to talk about, and it and you haven't seen either of these movies. So I'm just going to talk for a minute, David, if you don't mind. Okay. Um, and I wrote a blog... No, you can keep the mic uh, oh, okay. to your to your mouth. Um, so I was uh, I'd written a blog a long time ago about the casting of Tom Cruise in Tropic Thunder, and it's hard to know. He's a funny character, but it's hard to know why I'm laughing, and by extension, why other people are laughing, because the f- the character is written funny, but I don't know if people are laughing at. What is written for the character, because it's pretty outrageous, or if they're laughing at Tom Cruise in a fat suit saying these outrageous things. Right. I mean, like, Tom Cruise didn't need to play that character for the character to be funny, you know? They could have cast, like, Danny DeVito, or Philip Seymour Hoffman, or Paul Giamatti, like, people who actually fit the physical type of the character, and who could do wonders with that type of, of of character who's just yelling all the time and will scream out, you know, Diet Coke when he you know, and just someone just goes and gets it for him. Yeah. And it's actually, you know, if you've if you've spent 
any time in Hollywood at all, I interned for a producer, and you're just like, wow, that's really close. <laughs> like, I mean, it's just, um, but, but at the same time, I almost feel like, like they wasted that character, and let, and it's like, hey, let's, it's like, oh, let's show that Tom Cruise has a sense of humor, right? And let's put him in this, and he commits to it. He's not doing anything wrong. He plays the character well. Who would you like to see play the character? Eddie, oh, I, Eddie I, Pepitone? <laughs> he would have been nice, actually. Right. Um, well, I mean, I, I think I think probably somebody like uh, like Philip Seymour Hoffman or like mm. um, or or like Paul Giamatti, but um, or they could have kept the character but lost the way he looked. Like if they just had Tom, Tom Cruise, Cruise, yeah. You know, maybe if, like if he had his hair grown out or something like that. It's why we buy him in Magnolia a lot easier. He's saying ridiculous things, but we're still seeing Tom Cruise. You know, yeah. And and so that's the thing is, I'm still. Well, I want to go on off, off for a second about uh, how I feel about Tom Cruise as an actor. Okay. As as a Scientologist and a okay. tabloid fixture, whatever. Okay. But as an actor, he and I, I'm sure when we talked about our movie star episodes, I'm when we did our movie star episode, I must have talked about him. Because he is bona fide in dyed in the wool movie star. That because mm-hmm. he's a guy that I think he can act, and because I think that's necessary to being to being a movie star is mm-hmm. having some ability to act. Yeah. But he's a guy that no matter what kind of movie he's in, no matter what role he's playing, I'm into it and I buy it because of yeah. his because simply because of his presence. You know, be it Magnolia or be it Jerry Maguire or 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 be it you know Risky Business or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, he's somebody who does what the character requires you know Mm -hmm. i mean in that way he fulfills the basic requirements of an actor um but he does you know he does make the character his yeah in in you know i mean in the case of like magnolia or born on the fourth of july or jerry Maguire, Mm -hmm. i would say um and so yeah there's nothing wrong with how he's playing the character i don't blame him at all i think i blame director ben stiller Mm -hmm. for for doing that, because I feel like it distracts from the power of that character. And I really do feel like people are laughing not at what the character is saying, but at what Tom Cruise as the character is saying. And there is a difference. And I would actually compare it to Brad Pitt in Burn After Reading, where, I mean, we've... I mean, admittedly, he does look like Brad Pitt. It needs to be... The character is, a, you know, he's a personal trainer, and he needs to look you know fit very fit and you know he's got this kind of goofy hair um and he's really stupid and he's really surfacey and Brad Pitt again does a really fine job but i almost feel like people are laughing at hey look at the funny stuff Brad Pitt's doing mm-hmm. as opposed to look how stupid this character is or and i almost th- i think that is and i'm sure we mentioned i'm sure we mentioned this uh during the movie star episode is that is the s- the that is the negative side of casting a movie star is you might never really buy them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of the reasons that that uh, George Clooney, you know, doesn't really make that much of an attempt to play characters immensely outside of himself. I mean, he grows a beard and gains some weight for Syriana, but he's still, you know, playing kind of a charismatic guy who's smart. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Brad Pitt is a smart guy. Him playing dumb, it's like, hey, it's Brad Pitt playing dumb. Yeah. You don't believe... I, I personally... He was funny. He made me laugh. But... Brad Pitt made me laugh, yeah. not the not I the see. stupidity of the character, and I felt like it wouldn't have been as effective. It, it's not as effective as it would have been had they cast 
an actor that you knew less about. You yeah. Know? Speaking um, of George Clooney, okay, I think, or at least I, I hope that at the end of his career, he's going to be a guy like we think of Clint Eastwood now, where we think of him as an actor and a director on equal footing. You know. Oh yeah. I, I hope it goes that way because yeah, I, I, mean, I like him a lot as a director. Yeah, and I think he's going. I, I definitely think he's going to continue to direct, even though like Leatherheads didn't make a lot of money and mm-hmm. it, and it was pretty panned, I'd say. Um, but uh, well, yeah, and I think he, I think he actually could be that. Um, so it's well, well, while while we're because uh, I'm about ready to wrap it up. Okay, go ahead. Um, are you ready to wrap up the episode? Yeah, sure. Okay, well, I, I would like to end on while on the subject of comedy. I'd like to wrap up the topic with. Uh, the Hangover, which I saw oh, okay. recently and is uh, great. Okay. I, I love it so much, and I don't understand why some of the reviews have just been sort of middle Tempid. Yeah, I, I don't get it. What? Someday we're going to do an episode, and I can't think of how to pithily sum up this topic, yeah. but why intellectuals don't get comedy sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. They just don't know how to not take everything too seri- so seriously, you mm-hmm. know? I think that... It's some of the s- s- more snobbish critics who don't understand, th- can't allow themselves to get the hangover. But anyway, uh, among the reasons that the hangover is great, and in fact better than old school, mm-hmm. it's another Todd Phillips film, and I like old school, I just don't love it. Um, well, first off, I give credit to the cinematographer, because it's difficult to have consistently interesting and good cinematography in a comedy and still allow the comedy to be right. forefront. You know, usually cinematographers just sort of uh, let it be sort of you know flat and high key in yeah. a comedy because that's sort of their job you know and the w- the Hangover has a look that never distra- detracts from the comedy but it's also it very much sets the world but that's besides the point okay here's the reason that uh, the Hangover is better than old school okay in both you have three male leads Luke Wilson Vince Vaughn Will Ferrell mm-hmm. Bradley Cooper Ed Helms Zach Galifianakis yeah apart from Will Ferrell Luke Wilson and Vince Vaughn are both guys who I think know how to be funny when they're given funny lines, yeah. but are not guys who have funny in their bones. You know what I mean? D- do you, do you agree with me? Uh, hmm. I think the people who understand comedy and can deliver it well, but they're not. But they 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 still have to rely on what they're given. Whereas I feel like Vince Vaughn might. I think he might have funny in his bones. Okay. We'll have to talk about it sometime. Yeah, but I, I disagree. I'm I not 100 percent on that. And I like Vince Vaughn, I, you know, but I I don't think he's a natural born comedian. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, clearly Ed Helms and Zach Galifianakis are, and I I think that Brad Bradley Cooper is too, a guy who uh, he understands the funniness um, that's sort of in between the words. That's not just the funny lines that he that all three of those guys. Mm-hmm. The the reason that the movie's better is because it's cast with, with three guys who are bringing funny to every second of the movie and not just the parts that are supposed to be funny right. beforehand. Right. So that's <laughs> why that's why I like The Hangover better than old school. Yeah, I I really want to see it. And our old buddy uh, Ebert. Yeah, he loved it. He loved it. Gave it three and a half stars. And I like that he started his review with it, something to the effect <laughs> of, "Now this is what I'm talking about." Yeah. You know. Um, I like that he dedicated a whole paragraph to Zach Galifianakis. Yeah. I'm really excited that Zach Galifianakis is going to be a big star now. I, I know. He made fun of me once on stage. <laughs> it was, uh, and he made fun of me in the best possible way because he asked where I was from, and I, uh, and I said, uh, this is going to be a joke that only California people understand. But uh, I said, uh, outside Baker F- Bakersfield, and he goes, ugh, 
outside Bakersfield, <laughs> <laughs> and it just and it made me laugh. So, um, but anyway, that's you know what though. Here's the thing. I know we need to end. We really do. But you mentioned Owen Wilson, and it got me thinking of something that I thought about when you first brought up this topic. I actually and mentioned Luke Wilson, but Luke Wilson. I'm sorry, Luke Wilson, Owen Wilson. Yes. Um, and it got me thinking about the idea of almost a, almost like a repertory cast. Like if you look at, like Wes Anderson, uh-huh. like he will use the same people. I mean, a, yeah. a lot of directors do this. Like David Mamet does it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they they will use the same people over and over again, um, and when they're writing scripts or 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 choosing, you know, what project they're going to do, um, they have to have these actors in mind. You know, and so, I and I'm not sure. I'm not a hundred percent sure if I if I like that uh, because because it's just like, oh, okay. Well, here's the new the new Wes Anderson film, and here's Luke Wilson playing the Luke Wilson role, mm-hmm. and here's B- Bill Murray playing the Bill Murray role, and here's you know, and it's just like every once in a while there will be like a new addition to the repertory. Yeah. You know, like I think that's probably why Gene my and well, I think that's why my favorite parts uh, of Royal Tenenbaums are Gene Hackman, Angelica Houston, and Danny Glover. That's yeah, that's true. A- as far as yeah, like I feel like the best moments of comedy actually come from those three, mm-hmm. but like the best moments of drama come from like Luke Wilson playing a very, uh, I think it's his best performance, mm-hmm. um, doing very dramatic things like you know killing himself. Or trying to. Trying to. And just, uh, spoilers. And so, like, <laughs> at this point I just use it as a joke, David. Um, and so, so I feel like he, I, I'm kind of conflicted about it because I almost feel like he does it, he does it right in that he will allow his, you know, the, like, the, ca- the different cast members to do something new that we haven't seen previously. Um, because even though in Bottle Rocket, Owen Wilson is one of the leads, you know, he is allowed to do things in Darjeeling Limited that are previously unhinted at. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, to me, like one of the best acting moments of the last, oh, five years is when he's taking the bandages off of his face while staring directly into the camera. Uh-huh. And it's like, first off, you see the wounds are really bad, but just the look in his eyes. I mean, it really looks it's rough. It's difficult to look at, not just because of the wounds, but because of the expression on his face. And you just want to like hug him. You know, it's a really vulnerable acting moment from him. And I, and that's the thing is I don't know if any other, if any other director would have seen that in him, Mm -hmm. it had to be a director who had worked with him before and was comfortable in giving this character to an actor that I don't that ed- everybody else views as you know kind of this goofy lovable guy Dupree, Dupree, thank you, yes. <laughs> um, and so, so I, I, I guess, I guess the repertory concept has a lot of potential, and I feel like Wes Anderson might have have realized that potential. Whereas if you look at like David Mamet films, though I do enjoy them. Like you'll see the same bit players, but they're not. Ri- they're, none of them are ever really elevated to like lead status or anything mm-hmm. like that. It's just like, oh, here's uh, what's her name, Patty Lupone. Uh huh. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, and she plays this character in State and Maine, and oh, that's kind of fun. Oh, and now she's playing this character in Heist, 
uh, they're about equal. You know, uh-huh. she's not really allowed to do anything else, and it's just like, oh, here's this guy, and uh, it it almost feels like Mammon is casting them because it's who works with him. Yeah, you know, and uh, he doesn't really seem to realize their potential. That said, I'd watch Ricky Jay in anything. Absolutely, I didn't. I I was uh, rewatching Deadwood the other day uh-huh. and realized that he wrote an entire episode. Yeah. That's really uh, good for him. Yeah, he so did so W. Earl Brown. I know that's really exciting the third too. Season, um, but yeah, yeah, and so, and we, it just occurred to me. I mean, we're an hour and fifteen minutes in. We've had Maurice Marsh on the show. We've not even talked about casting voices. Yeah. Uh, but well, we just talked about it two weeks ago. Right. So, anyway, um, so that's you know, uh, we I feel like we've only briefly touched on it because it is an entire. Uh, you know, an entire crucial component to film and television. Uh, so, you know, if you have anything that you'd like to add to the conversation, feel free to go to uh, the forum on at uh, battleshippretension.com. Uh, a couple of uh, announcements. Um, we now have a newsletter. It's just a monthly newsletter that kind of... You're just sending it to pretty much anyone who has sent us emails before, right? Uh, well, that that's a lot of people. Uh, you can sign up. You, you can subscribe to it, and it will be sent to you. But oh, as of right now, uh, I sent it to people who donated money. Oh, okay. So that's a but little perk you get. But if you got it and you don't want to get it, it's incredibly simple to unsubscribe. Right. You don't have right. to email us or anything. Right. There's a button you can push. Uh, so, yeah. But subscribing is also very easy. And basically what it is, I mean, it's just kind of a, it kind of talks about what we've been up to and, like, new things on the website if there are any. Um, and then it'll also give you a preview of like upcoming guests um, and stuff that they've done in the past, um, right? Which we don't really advertise any, anywhere else, right? So, so the news, newsletter is good for that. Yeah, so you can be, uh, uh, you know, you can feel superior to other listeners, and <laughs> I think that's what it's all about. Um, and speaking of it guests, I oh. Well, if you also if you want to feel superior to other people, you should be following me on Twitter. That's right. It's at at the pretension. Follow along. Yeah, it's the it's the coolest Twitter out there. Absolutely, and uh, yeah, you can find out all about what uh, David is doing. It's uh, it's our Twitter officially, but David's the only one that writes for it. <laughs> yeah, and most of it has nothing to do with. It couldn't have anything <laughs> less to do with this podcast. But if you're interested in David as a person, you know, uh, it lets you know all about him. Um, and uh, speaking of guests, I just want to let everybody know that uh, probably probably starting July or August, uh, we're going to have several guest episodes not in a row um but we've got a lot of guests lined up yeah it's gonna be fun and if we stuck to the uh if we stuck to the once a month thing we would be covered until like oh march yeah or february perhaps and uh and so we don't want to record with somebody now and say like all right we'll email you in eight months yeah um so just be on the lookout for that i know that some people actually we kind of we almost did that once sorry steven reedy yeah sorry about that buddy <laughs> um and so i know that i, I do know that there are, are listeners who uh prefer the episodes where it's just you and i uh, uh-huh. i can't imagine that being the case uh after this episode but uh <laughs> but yeah and so i'm just letting you know that uh we do have a lot of really great guests lined up. We're very excited about them, uh, but we just want to let you know to you know be on the lookout for that. So, all right. And I think that I think that's everything. Oh, um, download issues. We think we've got it. We think we've got. Well, we have soon. 
soon. Probably within the next couple of weeks, I'd say. Yeah, we should have it have it fixed. Yeah. And uh, there's also been discussion on the forums of audio problems. and uh, Yeah, we'll, we'll look into it. But we're working on that. As far as I can tell, uh, it all depends on how you're listening. <laughs> because yeah. I've listened on my computer and it sounds fine. I've listened on my iPod. Sounds fine. I've listened through. I've listened on my iPod through my car speakers, and it, it admittedly it sounds a little off. And so, but I feel like if we were to you know uh, change the audio to suit that, then it would be off in the other places as right. well. So we're going to do everything that we can. We've got a couple of ideas. Yeah, we do care about you, the listener. Absolutely, we want you to be able to. You know, we want you to be able to download the show. We want you to be able to hear the show. Um, and so we are working on it. Rest assured. And uh, we do apologize to those who haven't been able to hear us uh, as well as we've been able to hear us. So, um, so yeah, just le- just know that uh, any technical issues, uh, you know, le- if we haven't mentioned it so far and you're having some kind of issue with the website or something like that, just let us know. Email yeah. us. David and, uh, at com or Tyler at com. Right. And we will uh, we will get on it. So uh, thank you very much for listening and uh, we will get you next time. Bye. Bye.